going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Another wild week of sports. So we got a lot to talk about once again. Uh, not going to be as long as the others, but still some top headlines here. Crazy week of college football. The NFL, we're starting to get the hang of what's going on here, who's legit, who is not. And soccer? What? Yeah, all right. It's definitely <laughs> called soccer, that's for sure. Uh, I guess that, that means I'll just jump right into the opener, Skyler. And that's got to be the U.S. men's national team with their big win today over Iran. Or Iran, whatever. Sorry for the mispronunciation. <laughs> that's ridiculous, uh, man. But what a big win for the u.s man uh not probably the first time in my entire life that i've been watching a soccer game at tuesday on a tuesday at 11 a.m with my palms sweating oh yeah and nervous i've never been nervous for a soccer game like this except for maybe uh last friday against england and which you tied but big win for the u.s over Iran. we advance to the round of 16 we play Netherlands on Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So if you're waking up for that, yeah. set your alarms early. You're also I believe they have uh, some good defenders, Van Dyke from the Premier League. Something like that. I don't yeah. really know too much about it. But uh, shout out to Christian Pulisic. You yeah. know, big goal in the 38th minute today. Put his body on the line for it as well, which is kind of crazy. You don't see that too much in soccer where he – like kind of dove past the goalie to get the ball and then kicked it in and ended up getting kicked in the stomach or yeah. the nuts in the process. I ended up being out for the rest of the game, but posted on Snapchat or something. I saw it on Twitter, but it looks like it came from Snapchat where he was in the hospital bed or whatever and uh, saying like, let's fucking go, boys. I'll be ready for Saturday or something like that. So that's got to fire you up. Oh, yeah. And, uh, As an American. U.S. advances. So how about that? Beautiful. Yeah, the best thing I saw, once again, USC football beating Notre Dame 38-27. to This was such an exciting game, once again, because of Caleb Williams. Another ridiculous game. Uh, rushing, too, you know. A lot of Mahomes comparisons, and some people may think it's ridiculous, but they play a very similar style. It's hard not to see the comparison. But uh, anyways, USC's ranked number fourth. We'll get into that later. And Caleb Williams pretty much locks up the Heisman with this performance, which is, is awesome because uh, I think we've both been rooting for this guy all year. Yeah, Caleb Williams is a stud, man. He's he's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, we'll be seeing a ton of them over the next 10 to 15 years, depending on how his NFL career goes. But looks like it's going to go pretty well. Moving on to our Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And uh, Skyler, let me pick my guy on this one. Mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs is our Immaculate Sports Player of the Week for his big game against the Seahawks, which included his 86-yard touchdown run in overtime to give the Raiders the win. In total, 33 carries, 229 yards, two touchdowns, as well as six catches for 74 yards, giving him 39 total touches in a game. It's like a high school running back yeah. game when you have that five-star recruit. And you're just giving him the ball over and over and over again. That's how it was with Jacobs in this one. And uh, career high in carries, most rushing yards in a game by Raider in Raiders history, and most yards from scrimmage by Raider in Raiders history. 
So pretty crazy stats there, especially for a franchise who's been around for quite a long time. And I guess mm-hmm. that'll just throw us right into the team reports now. And I'll go first yeah. since I'm on the topic of the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Big win in, in Seattle. It's really our first one of the year that wasn't like a going into the game, we weren't supposed to win. I felt like against the Broncos and both of those times we were supposed to win against the Texans, we were supposed to win. Uh, but this is the first time going into Seattle where we were kind of the underdog and came out victorious, uh, which is awesome to see finally getting a win on the road against a, a good team. Uh, at this point, it's kind of a little too little too late. Four and seven is a little rough. Uh, this is a time where you kind of look back to those Kansas city, Jacksonville, Arizona games, where you, just wish you didn't blow those leads because if you did, then, or if you didn't blow them, then you could have been six and five or seven and four, whatever it is, uh, and be in a pretty good spot for the playoffs. But I do want to talk about one guy, uh, and that's Max Crosby. Because uh, as of right now, I don't know if you're going to agree with this take, but Max Crosby is the best defensive player in football this season. He has 10 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for a loss, leads the league. He has the most tackles out of any defensive lineman in the entire league. He has the second most run stuffs in the entire league. So he's one of the best run defenders in the game. Skylar, you're smiling right now, but the stats I'm back I'm not it disagreeing. Up. And I know the team's sitting at four and seven, so he's not going to get the recognition. Michael Parsons probably will end up being the defensive player of the year, especially because the Cowboys oh, are so good. But if only the Raiders had a couple of other games go their way. Uh, I think Max would really be up there as far as the front. If only he didn't like come that. from the Mac. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right, you ready for the Jet Report? I am. We got to rename am. it to the Mike White Report because uh, once again, 300 yards, three touchdowns. That's the second time he's done that in his career. In what three, four starts only for the Jets? That's pretty nuts. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields didn't play. It was Trevor Simeon, and he didn't look great. So the Jets ended up smacking the Bears around a little bit, thirty-one to ten. And this is this is huge for Mike White because he's going to get a legit chance to be the starter now after this performance. And uh, Zonovan Knight on offense too, the rookie running back from NC State, seventy yards on the ground, another thirty through the air. Uh, Michael Carter is hurt. That's pretty much the the biggest news of the week for us. So Zonovan Knight's going to get his chance. And James Robinson should be active next week, too. Uh, he was inactive for uh, trade compensation purposes is pretty much what what the writers were saying. If he had a certain amount of yards this week, then uh, the pick we gave would have been bumped up to a fifth rounder instead of a sixth. So it makes sense. Garrett Wilson's amazing. Bryce Huff, another sack uh, playing at Minnesota. That should be very exciting. Yeah, going to be a good game there. It's a lot of good games in week 13. Yeah. So, uh you're not watching football for whatever reason make sure that you watch it now uh moving on to where we went right and where we went wrong where we look at some of our picks within this past week and see where we did good and we didn't do so good uh you're not going to see a lot of wrong picks for skyler he had a really good week it's my chance to flex that in a second uh but where i went right i want to talk about the thanksgiving games most of us went three for three but i feel like i nailed the idea of these games down Buffalo game, I was only off by a point for each team. Dallas, felt like I got that relative game idea right, where Dallas was going to win by two possessions. Giants ended up having that late score of like five or six seconds left, so still looks pretty good there. Uh, and then the Vikings, uh, I picked them to win by 10, ended up winning by like six points or whatever it was. And uh, I feel like it's easy in those games to pick an upset just because you want to. And yeah. uh, I think it's good on you, me, and Brett to 
to not have picked Stick those to the upsets gut. and just go with yeah. the teams that should be winning. Uh, and then where I went wrong, it's a pick that we actually all got wrong. Uh, and that's, that's the Denver pick against the Carolina Panthers. We all picked them kind of, it's the same thing with Denver every, every week where you just feel like they're going to have a week where they get it together. And I mean, through 12 weeks of the season, we haven't seen that once where they've actually gotten it together. We've seen glimpses, but not a full game put together. And uh, uh, Denver sucks, man. <laughs> That's all yeah, I'm going to say. We got that one wrong. So I only got two picks wrong this week. So like I said earlier, it's my chance to flex a little bit. So I'm going to start off with one I got wrong because I almost didn't get it wrong. Tampa Bay, Cleveland. I originally had the Browns because I knew it would be a bad weather game. Cleveland, obviously, is going to run the ball a lot better with uh, Leonard Fournette out, too. No shade to Rashad White. He did fine, but he obviously didn't take that game over like Nick Chubb did. And uh, I ended up changing my pick to Tampa Bay because uh, it's Tampa Bay mm-hmm. versus Cleveland. <laughs> and that's it. Anyways, uh, one I want to shout out, though, Jacksonville. Getting it right. You know, uh, Jacksonville finally playing back at home in the warm weather. I figured Trevor Lawrence would be able to sling it a little bit. Baltimore's offense looks horrendous. And uh, I got lucky Justin Tucker didn't hit that 67-yarder for sure. Yeah, it was scary there. Yeah. Uh, but one thing about Trevor Lawrence real quick yeah. before we move on, he he looks really good mm-hmm. these past few weeks. And uh, we've had this this period here within these past year and a half where we're like, this guy? This guy was this... This godlike prospect. I still think it was a mistake to it. to make him like Andrew Luck, but there's nothing wrong with him, you know. I guess yeah. that's that's the media's fault, you know. Yeah, and like uh, Andrew Win- Wingard said, uh, having a rookie year with Urban Meyer does that even count? Uh, so, little <laughs> yeah. hostile comment towards his former coach there, but within reason, of course, with how bad Urban was in Jacksonville. Let's go ahead and move on to our fantasy play, though. I'm going to say buy on Darren Waller if you do not have Travis Kelsey. Of course, if you have Kelsey, keep him, start him every single week. It's simple, done. Uh, but if you have another guy, probably Andrews as well, keep Andrews. But any of these other guys, uh, maybe Hawkinson as well, also kind of falls in that category. But besides those three guys, Darren Waller's only got one more week for sure on the IR. From there, he should be coming back. And with how the Raiders' offense is kind of starting to click a little bit over these last four weeks, I expect Waller to be a big part, especially with how the coverages are moving towards Devontae in these last few games. Uh, Jacobs with a ton of rushing yards. You're going to see more more guys down in the box, which means there's going to be plays open down the field. And Waller open in the red zone is something that happens uh, quite a lot. So I'd say buy on Waller while you can. You're probably going to be able to get him for cheap. And yeah. uh, if you need a tight end going into the fantasy playoffs, this, this could definitely be a big advantage for you. All right. Mine is, uh, again, jet related. It's going to be buy Elijah Moore. I hope you uh, listen to the numbers and try not to forget that I'm a Jets fan because I understand I could have some bias, but. I also am one of the only people to watch that entire Jets-Bears game, so maybe I do know what I'm talking about. The Jets play some really bad secondaries coming up. Um, Minnesota next week, Buffalo, Jacksonville coming up, and Mike White is actually able to push the ball downfield. Elijah Moore is a very good player, and he's finally locked in again. So that's why I would say I trust a guy like Elijah Moore over uh, you know your typical slot receiver pickup at this point in the season, like McKenzie from Buffalo maybe. Yeah. And I have a similar, like, I don't know about problem, but like an issue yeah. with, uh, 
like when you pick players from your own teams for yeah. these things, like I, we both did this week, it's kind of tough to have people believe you because of the bias mm. that comes in, like being a fan of the team and stuff like that. But also being a fan of a team, you're you see a lot more four seven. Yeah, exactly. So you understand matchups and plays and picks that other people aren't going to see as well because they're not watching that team and know how they are week in, week out, year in, year out. Uh, but with that being said, let's go ahead and get to where's your head at. Starting yes, off sir. with our usual MVP ladder, our top five, and maybe some honorable mentions. Uh, Skylar, do you have anybody uh, that you want to talk about? Before I'm we not. The five? Uh, no disrespect to anybody, but I think we're down to a five here, in my opinion. I'm, I'm going to say honorable mention, Mike White. Thank you. <laughs> Number five. Number five, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. Another game that he completely took over. Nine catches, 139, and a touchdown on Thanksgiving against New England. He is so good. And again, it's kind of a, you know, maybe it looks like some shade to Tyreek Hill, who has very similar numbers, but that whole offense is moving. Minnesota's offense is not moving without Justin Jefferson. So that's why he's five. Yeah, I agree with uh, the Jefferson take there. Uh, number five for me, I have a split between three guys, so the three non-quarterbacks I have on this list. That's Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Justin Jefferson. Jacobs leads the league in rushing. Derrick Henry is that whole team's offense. If he goes, that team goes. He had a rough game. Team didn't go at all. Uh, so when you look at the essence of valuable player, I think Derrick Henry deserves to be on there. Same yeah. thing with Jefferson. I had him on this list as well because he... He he has more impact in their offense than any other wide receiver and then in the entire league right now because they put so much on him. And uh, you don't see that too often from a guy that doesn't play quarterback. Moving on to number four. Four is going to be Tua. Once again here, he's played nearly perfect since his uh, concussion. And there's no reason for him not to be on the list, right? Yeah. Uh, number four for me is going to be a guy that I have not had on the list before, and that's going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, so first time on the list here, he's thrown for 23 touchdowns. He's looked really good since that rough start in the first two, three weeks of the season. Without Jamar Chase, these last few weeks has been no problem. Their offense has been just fine. And uh, he's coming back this week for that game against Kansas City, and it's going to be a fun one to watch in that 125 window. On to number three. Number three, I still have Josh Allen here. I don't know how much I would trust him in a playoff environment, the way he's turning the ball over, but just look at last week against Detroit. You know, that's a game they should have lost, but then he started running the ball, something not a lot of quarterbacks can do powerfully for 80 yards and a touchdown, and they won. He took that game over with his legs. Number three for me is going to be where I put Tua. Uh, he was in that number three slot last week for me, except for his number four because I had that gap between one and three with how big of yeah. the, the gap Mahomes has. I decided not to do that gap this week just because sense of having more people there. But uh, mm. Tua is number three. He hasn't done anything wrong to move him down. Keep on winning. Keep on having decent to good games. And uh, he's going to be in the thick of it when it comes to the end of this year for, for this award. Uh, number two. I think Jalen Hurts has actually closed the gap a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to win the award, but after what we saw against Green Bay, there's another situation where you don't know if the offense is going to be moving or not, and uh, all of a sudden you look up and he's got 140 rushing yards too. Uh, what yeah. a crazy game. And that's not even the craziest thing that happened in that game. We'll talk about it later. That's <laughs> true. Uh, number two for me is also going to be where I put Hurts. Uh, like Skyler said, you close the gap. 
uh, still needs like a bad game from Mahomes yeah. and just to see six games straight of good games for Jalen Hurts for him to actually win this award. Uh, but it's not the, you know, minus 400 for Mahomes to win. Now, I think it's probably more as a, like a minus 275. I'll say that. Okay. Number one. Patrick Mahomes, another week that you could say it was a trap game, and he just doesn't care, man. Another 300 yards, even though he had a lot of receivers questionable out, not looking in the right direction, and they still pounced on the Rams like they should. Yeah, Chiefs did what they're supposed to do. Mahomes did what he was supposed to do. Maybe not the, I don't know, sexiest numbers. He still threw for 300 yards, but only that one touchdown. Uh so he hasn't gone to 30 touchdowns yet. He's at 29 right now. But uh, Mahomes is hes clearly the guy for this, and he should be winning yeah. a second MVP award when it comes down to it at the end of the season. On to our AFC Top 5 Power Rankings. Do you have any honorable mentions or team you want to talk about before we get into the five? Yeah, the Jets and Ravens don't make the list because I still don't know what's going on with their offenses. I also have the Ravens and the Bills at this uh, number five, not number five, honorable mention spot. Yeah. Just a little too volatile right now where it's too shaky, too good, too bad some weeks. Uh, and you'll see number five where I had the Jets, actually. I'll say that now. Yeah. I guess we'll do it this way. But uh, at the Jets at five, kind of the same thing with the volatileness. I think the defense is better on the Jets than it is with the Bills and the Ravens. So how about your number five, Scott? So number five, I'm going to go with Tennessee here. Uh, they did lose to Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati's very good. A couple of mistakes by Tennessee's offense uh, take it away, and they win this game pretty easily. So they're still on the list. Gotcha. And I'll let you jump right into the number four, too, and we'll get ah. back to our normal format. Okay, so uh, this is where Buffalo's going to be. They're going to stay on the list because... It's it's scary out there. Uh, if they kill the Jets, obviously they'll be here. But um, I don't want to not jinx it, but we haven't played the Bills with Mike White yet is what I'm trying to say, I guess. So I have no idea how that's going to look. You know, the, this is going to determine if the Bills are in the two spot or out of the list. But I just stuck here, stuck them here on four because I don't know where to put them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, number four for me is going to be where I put the Titans. I know they lost to the Bengals without Jamar Chase. But they do a lot of things right. And I think they're still better than a lot of these teams in the AFC, like the Ravens, the Bills, the Jets, uh, because of how good their defense is and because of Derrick Henry. Because if Derrick Henry gets going, it's over for you. You know, there isn't stopping a guy like that once he does get going. And uh, top three teams above him, I think, can, can stop him or have the offensive firepower to to get ahead of him and be okay with it. But uh, the teams below him, I just think... Uh, can't survive Derrick Henry right now. On to number three. I got the Bengals here at number three. No Jamar Chase, no Mixon, no problem against Tennessee. And uh, this team's really locked into, obviously they could have choked that game away against the Titans, but they didn't. They won. That's what matters right now, this point in the season. And they're going to be dangerous again, as long as they don't play Kansas City early. Yeah, the, the Bengals are back, man. They're they're number three for me as well. They look just as good as they were in their Super Bowl run last year. And they kind of have that same, like, why not us energy to them right now, where in the beginning of the season, they just didn't look good. Uh, and then they were down and out kind of. And I think they've won seven out of nine or 
eight out of ten games since the that Owen two start and I mean they look they look really, really good. And uh that consistency being in that form earlier in the season than they were last year is something that's really gonna benefit them once it comes down to to playoff time. On to number two, Skyler. What do you got here? Number two is the Dolphins. This team is probably the scariest in the NFL when on fire, and uh, that's what they are right now. But they're not going to top Kansas City. Uh, let's just wait and see if they can. Num- yeah. Number two for me is also going to be the Dolphins. They look really well-rounded right now. I just really want to see how that game on Sunday goes against the Niners. I think one thing that you'll realize with our list next week will be there's going to be a lot more shuffling because there's games, good teams versus good teams, and we see these teams that really haven't played anybody in five yeah. or six weeks go up against a team that can really we saw what happened with Minnesota. their season. Exactly, yeah. stuff like that. Uh, and, and then number one, both of us are going to have the Chiefs. Uh, they just look so far ahead of every other team right now. Uh, do you have any other thing you want to say about them? Or The most unstoppable force in the NFL. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the NFC now. Do you have any teams that you want to talk about before we get into the five? I don't, uh, but uh, I'll explain when I get to the five here. Uh yeah, I don't really have any teams that I don't want to include in yeah. this. So uh on to number five. So Washington is five for me right now, but they play at the Giants. I guess it's a co-ownership of the five spot, and the winner will get it. Because I don't know how much I again talk about uh teams who haven't played good teams yet. That's Washington. They've looked really solid. They're not turning the ball over a lot, but <sighs> I don't know. Maybe the Giants are a lot better who have just a tougher schedule right now. We'll see. I have the Commanders at five, but the Commanders, let's not forget, three weeks ago, they they beat the Eagles That's in true. Philly. So, so they had that big win there. They I the think when you magic, are able, when you're able to win a big divisional game in a, uh, a place like Philly and make them go from undefeated to one loss – you have such that that confidence and we can do this against any team that comes in here and plays us or any place that we go, we can go beat this team. And uh, I really think that the commanders giants game this Sunday, the commanders are a lot better team than the giants. And I think that's going to show this weekend. Okay. Uh, Number four, number four, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Uh, They don't move at all after the, uh, the domination of the Cowboys against them, but hey, they got the got the job done against New England. Um, not a lot of teams at the the middle section of the NFC are gonna put up a fight against Minnesota. I don't think, even though a lot of people think they're overrated, that's why they're still at four here. Better than Tampa, yeah. still, you know. Yeah, uh, I also have the Vikings at four, same spot that I had them at last week. They uh, they're good. They're confusing because they're nine and two and have that plus five point differential. Like I was talking about last week where they're just not blowing teams out. They're all winning close games. Uh, but the Vikings, I mean, they're nine and two for a reason. If, if I'm going to put the commanders on this list, cause they just find a way to win games. I have to put the Vikings on this list as well, because they are the definition of finding a way to win games on to number three. Number three, I have the Niners dropping down a spot because I trust number two's offense a little more. So I'll explain when we get there. 
number three is going to be where I keep Philly, uh, same spot that I had him at last week. They look really good right now. Uh, Jalen Hurts really took over that last game, and it, it was good to see him go out and, I don't know about go win a game for them, but put them in a spot where he didn't even have to go win the game for them. Uh, and that's kind of been how it's been the whole year, but sometimes it's been other factors besides Jalen Hurts, like the defense and getting crucial turnovers or Miles Sanders or even A.J. Brown making plays on passes thrown by Jalen Hurts. But it really felt like Jalen Hurts was the guy that was a catalyst in this victory over the, the Packers on Sunday night. And uh, so I keep my number three. All right. On to number two. Number two, I have the Cowboys back up in the two spots. You know, with the 49ers injuries, especially on the offense, there's no way I can trust them to beat the Cowboys right now. Uh, I think both defenses are very similar. So that, that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, if the Niners aren't willing to give McCaffrey the right amount of carries and you have a guy like Mason taking carries uh, compared to Dallas, if Zeke's tired, you have Tony Pollard, who's just as good. And that alone is enough for me to bump up Dallas. I like Dallas as well. They also are number two for me. Their defense is number one or number two in the NFL. Their offense is really good. Uh, They have depth, like Skeller was talking about, really all over the field. It's not just at the running back position. And uh, they may not win the division, uh, but they're still probably better than the Eagles, in my my opinion. Okay. And the number one team, who do you got here? The Eagles are staying at one once again, and I'm I'm happy I kept them at the one spot because they showed last week they can still fight, even though they they couldn't fight back against Washington. Uh, it's it's still in their DNA, and uh, you know made sure Rodgers didn't have a revenge game or comeback or whatever, and uh, smacked them around a little bit in the second half, which was cool. They actually played some defense, so maybe at the end the Niners will be back up on top, but for right now I have to keep the Eagles. Number one is going to be the same team I had at number one. I actually didn't make any movement for any of the teams in my list this entire week. Uh, and it's the Niners. They, they're so deep. They're so good at nearly every single position on the entire field, except for maybe right tackle because McGlinch, he kind of sucks. But besides that, they're all really good. I know Elijah Mitchell is going to be out for six to eight weeks, but come playoff time, he's probably going to be back. And even if he doesn't come back for playoffs, you still have that guy. And I know Jordan Mason has been taking a couple carries these past few weeks, but uh, I don't think he's going to be taking carries when it comes to playoff time. MC is healthy in week 18, 19 in the divisional wildcard round, stuff like that. He's going to be getting 30 carries a game because he is that type of guy or 30 touches, maybe not 30 carries, but he will be that guy that, that their offense just completely runs through. All right, that's going to do it for our NFC Top 5. Let's go ahead and move it to halftime. All right, welcome to halftime. We're going to start it off once again with the NFL injuries. Some interesting ones this week. Started off with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Eagle safety out indefinitely with a lacerated kidney. That sounds extremely painful and, you know, uh, another big injury for Philly. You know, we're past the trade deadline. They can't go pick somebody up. They're going to have to keep it in-house. Hopefully, he can get back healthy, though, because that's a big reason why their defense has been so good. 
Uh, Von Miller had a knee injury, carted off on Thanksgiving, but he says he wants to return for the Jets game, of course. So uh, we'll likely see him. Elijah Mitchell, Niner running back. I mentioned it earlier. He's out, what is it, four to six weeks with the high ankle sprain? That's usually what it is. Four to six to six to eight. They, uh, they're not really too sure yet. So four to eight, we'll say that. Okay. okay. Aaron Rodgers, we saw on Sunday night, had a lot of issues going on. The broken thumb, he ended up hurting his oblique. He said after he thinks he punctured his lung, but he says he wants to play this week. So that's interesting. We'll get into more of that after halftime. Uh, Vikings corner, Andrew Booth Jr., out for the year with knee surgery. Minnesota secondary just keeps getting worse and worse. That's great to hear since we're playing them. Allen Robinson, the Rams' only healthy player left, is no longer healthy. He's heading to the IR. With a foot injury. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Um, Eddie Jackson broke uh, the list, Frank. Bone, I believe that's in his foot. Your foot, yeah. Yeah, uh, against the Jets. Sucks for him. And one more, Josh Jacobs will be limited next week because he's injured. Um, sorry about that. But Oh, I'm sorry. I missed one more. Damian Harris, Patriots running back, is out on Thursday. Huh. Well, and maybe the best player Ramondre a lot. So <laughs> oh yeah, that's nice. And I apologize again because I missed another one. Possibly the best defensive player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, with the high ankle sprain going on the Phantom IL. No, no, he's not going on IL, but uh he might miss the season, which makes sense. There's no reason for him to finish out this year other than counting stats. Um so sorry, sorry for the for the Rams fans. And this is gonna be a, a rough one. But yeah. Uh, Sold their soul for the Super Bowl last year. That would make sense. All right. We had a pretty crazy college football week, week 13. So let's recap it. Uh, Ole Miss chokes in the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving. Uh, Bet didn't hit because they didn't give the ball to my guy Judkins. They handed it off to a receiver in the fourth quarter and he fumbled. They didn't get the ball back for like eight minutes. Ridiculous. Uh, Texas holds on to beat Baylor. And uh, they're going to get a decent bowl because Bijan Robinson had 180 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he will be there in New York City for the Heisman. I can almost guarantee that one. Um, NC State upsets 17 North Carolina. Uh, Drake May just having a horrible second half of the season. You know, this was another Heisman hopeful. And he is not getting it done. Uh, one of the most exciting games of the week. South Carolina Upsetting Clemson, 31-30. to 30. Another great week for Spencer Rattler. Two touchdowns, 360 yards. And uh, Clemson doesn't look very good, Kyle. Oregon State upsets Oregon in that one, 38-34. Uh, I believe Oregon State had the backup quarterback, but it doesn't matter. Bo Nix couldn't get it done. Michigan blowing out Ohio State in Columbus. Turns out Michigan can actually pass, Kyle. And... That's pretty dangerous if they can keep this going. And also, by the way, uh, David Edwards, backup running back, another 216 yards all in the second half. Will Levis had a win, an upset win against Louisville. Uh, we keep an eye on him because he's an NFL guy. Texas A&M upsets LSU 38-23. LSU is no longer going to go to the playoffs. They were number five. Now they're number 14. It's a wrap, even if they beat Georgia. And TCU stays alive. They're still there ranked. So speaking of TCU, let's get into the, the top 25 here. We had a new release 
today, just an hour ago. And it's pretty much as you would expect here. We have Georgia at number one, Michigan at number two, TCU at number three. I believe all three teams will still make the playoff, even if they lose their conference championship game. And then we got USC at four, which I really like. I really want to see Caleb Williams in the playoffs because he's probably the best quarterback in college football right now. And, uh, you know, one of the only guys that could take down a team like Georgia. But also keep in mind, if some of these teams lose, we have Ohio State and Alabama waiting right there at five and six. All right. Uh, next, we have the Heisman Watch, which I've renamed to the Caleb Williams Award because it is literally only him. <laughs> Another fantastic week. Got the job done. I do think Bijan Robinson will be there in New York City, uh, probably Who's second the third in guy? third place. And C.J. Stroud. I think that's a, a, a pretty safe three spot there. Even though Stroud didn't play great against Michigan, he threw a, a weird pick on a shovel pass. But he still had over 300 yards and looked pretty solid up to that point. All right. Uh, I have my college football championship week picks, if you want to hear these, Kyle. I'll, I'll pick them with you once we go along. So Okay. Uh, we'll start okay. off with the Friday games here. The CUSA championship game. North Texas at UTSA. Okay, I'm not picking this one. I don't know anything okay. about these two teams. <laughs> I'm picking UTSA. They're a lot better. They're playing at home. Uh, the Pac-12 game, though, it's number 11 Utah against number four USC. At Allegiant. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to go with USC in this one. I think they're going to make the playoff, even though Utah played them really tough last time. I think they're finally going to get them back. Yeah, they get to revenge their only loss of the entire year. Yes, sir. So, uh, USC. All right. Moving on to the Saturday games, the Big 12. Number 10 Kansas State looking for revenge on number three TCU. But I'm still sticking with TCU because TCU beat them by 10 last time they played, even though TCU's played a lot of close games. That's one that didn't really get out of hand at all for them. I think they should be fine against Kansas State. I believe another backup quarterback for Kansas State starting to. Yeah, give me TCU. They don't come all this way to just choke. Yeah. All right. Uh, The MAC championship. That's Toledo against Ohio. You don't have to pick this one. But I'm going to go with the upset here in Ohio. Even though they have a better record, Toledo uh, is leading in the the Vegas polls. I'm not really sure why, because Ohio has beaten a lot of the teams that Toledo lost to these past couple weeks. So I'm not a MAC expert, but I'm going to go with the team who has 10 wins over the team who has seven. Okay, the Sun Belt uh, is actually pretty interesting for me. Um, You may know that James Madison is not eligible, even though they won their side of the conference. It's their first year in the FBS, uh, so they're not eligible for any bowl games, conference championships. So it's Coastal Carolina getting the spot with their backup quarterback, Grayson McCall, out for the year, which sucks because they're going to get killed by Troy. My pick. Disappointing. Uh, Mountain West. This one's uh, deep in my heart here. It's Fresno State at Boise. Boise beat him oh, earlier Fresno in the year. Fresno State, 100%. Oh, you fucker. I'm going with Boise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taylor Green, uh, the freshman quarterback that came in after Hank Bachmeyer transferred, little bitch, uh, has been playing awesome. No turnovers the past couple of weeks, and I think he's going to do just enough to beat Fresno. Boise's been rolling teams recently. I'm I'm rocking with Jake Hayner, man. That's I like Jake Hayner, too. Yeah. That's fair. But he's not going to win. Will you like him on Saturday? Nope. 
All right. The American Championship game. Sorry, Kyle. It's number 22, Central Florida, against number 18, Tulane. You know how I'm rolling with Tulane's offense on fire. Central Florida. Give me, give me UCF. Okay. The, the national champs. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. The SEC Championship game. That's number 14, LSU, against number one, Georgia. LSU doesn't stand a chance. They lost to Texas A&M, who had three wins. Georgia will beat them by at least 20 points. Yeah, it's Georgia. It sucks that this happens, LSU, because I would have mm. really liked for this game to actually mean something. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's Georgia. That's how it goes sometimes. And that's how it kind of went in the Big Ten, too, because Purdue won their side of the Big Ten. They're going to be playing against Michigan, who's number two. And Michigan's offense is in such a groove right now. Um, you know, Purdue has a pretty good quarterback in o- o- O'Connell, but uh, it's not going to be enough, man. Michigan just killed Ohio State. Yeah, it's going to be the exact same thing that we saw last year in the championship game where Michigan, I think, was playing Iowa or yep. something like that. And they just – it's – the championship game for the Big Ten was really – Michigan against Ohio State year in, year out. You know, once we finally get some of these schools like Oregon, um, UCLA, maybe Washington in the Big Ten, we need to reorder this conference because we can't have Michigan and Ohio State uh, playing a game that doesn't really mean anything to the playoff committee. All right. Sorry. That's for another conversation. Uh, The ACC, our last one, it's number nine Clemson against number 23 UNC. I think it's actually a pretty good matchup on paper, but North Carolina's offense has been so horrific the past couple of weeks. There's no way I can pick them against Clemson's D-line. So it's Clemson in a, a pretty close game, I think. Well, I'll go Clemson as well. All right. That's going to do it for the college football, not playoff, championship week picks. Almost there, though. Now, we got some MLB news. Yeah, MLB news again, not too much but we did have our first big signing of free agency uh, i mean i guess you can call tyler anderson to the dodgers a pretty big signing but Angels. jose abreu 2020 al mvp even though it was a covid shortened yeah. season still an mvp award nonetheless uh is going to the Astros to play first base over there for at least three years uh looking at 19 million dollars a year there the rich get richer for this, uh, they're no longer going to have to deal with Yuli Gurriel or whoever they've been playing at first base because uh, Yuli had a bad season. I know that. Uh, and Jose Abreu, who it sucks as an ace fan because Abreu usually kills us and killed us in that 2020 playoff series, uh, three game series that we did actually win. But uh, the rich get richer. That, that's what I said. So uh, I'll, I'll stick by that statement. Besides yeah. that, a couple other things have happened. We had. I almost said Mimer Candelario. Uh, Yimer Candelario going to the Nats. Really rough season last year for the Tigers, but he was good a couple years ago. Uh, only one year, $5 million there. So kind of a prove it deal. We'll trade yet yes, in July type deal the there. Uh, from there, Shelby Miller, former good player. Now he's washed and sucks. Uh, signed actually a major league deal with the Dodgers, so he's going to be in that bullpen likely. Former Dan Swanson trade piece. Exactly. And then the last guy that we should talk about is Carlos Santana going over to the Pirates in that like veteran leadership role uh, for Pittsburgh. 
Taking that Vogel I back did role. See that <laughs> Pittsburgh's head coach, I'm blanking on his name right now, or manager, was Carlos Santana's hitting coach when he first came in the MLB with the Indians like 10 plus years ago at this point. Uh, but I guess a Derek reuniting. Shelton. Yeah, Derek Shelton yeah. reuniting there in Pittsburgh. And uh, besides that, we really don't have much. A couple, uh, like, MLB World Baseball Classic commits uh, for the U.S., Wayne Wright and Nesta Cortez. So pretty good to see really? those guys there. But besides that, not much. Nasty Nestor? Okay. Yeah, Nasty Nestor is coming to the U.S., baby. Let's go. Moving on to our pick standings. This week starts with Alex because Alex went 7 out of 16. Oh, Rough week be. for him. We'll see how that ends up looking in the overall standings here in a minute. Me and Brett both went 11 out of 16, tying for second place. And then Skyler had his first real good week of the year, probably our best week total yeah. out of anybody the entire season, 14 in. out of 16. And that sets up our season totals here, where Skyler is still in last place. That's fine. With 107 out of 169. Next up is me and Alex at 112 out of 169. Oh, and then the last one is Brett with 115 out of 169. Okay. Interesting. If I didn't have a couple of like six out of 16 weeks, I would have been right there with you guys. Yeah. But uh, that's going to do it for halftime. Let's go ahead and yeah. get to our... Second half where it's all football headlines. Usually we do football and then baseball, but not a lot of baseball, not a lot of basketball, not a lot of other stuff to talk about this week. So we're sticking it with football. The first headline of which we're talking about Mike White. Big game for the Jets and their big victory over the Bears, 31 to 10. So, I mean, let's get right into it. Is Mike White the guy, the solution for the Jets at quarterback? Mike White is not the guy. He's played very well, but my prediction is he's going to struggle and lose pretty badly to Buffalo, and then we'll go back to Zach Wilson. Robert Sala said he wants to go back to Zach Wilson at some point, even a couple days ago. Um, if he keeps balling and goes on a little streak, then that's a whole other conversation we got to come back to in five weeks because that means he's earned it. But my prediction still is he's going to have a seeing ghost type of game where he has to come out. Mike White is the current solution. I think he's better than any of the quarterbacks that are on the roster right now, but he's not the long-term, and I hope the Jets don't think that he's going to be the long-term guy because I think if they go and get a Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr, whatever it is, a good vet is going to be better than Mike White, in my opinion. Uh, Mike White's a fun story. You know, It's cool to see him play. He's kind of like that Gardner Minshew type guy that everybody just likes to to go see play because he's exciting and fun to watch. Uh, and I think the clubhouse can really rally around a guy Everyone like that because we've seen Heineke, Gardner Minshew win those clubhouses before, even when they're not being the best quarterbacks. Uh, but I don't think he's a long-term guy and he's not going to, you know, put him on some crazy tra- trajectory to go with like win a Super Bowl or something like that. Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be nuts. It's like Rex Grossman winning that Super Bowl. But, uh, Let's move on to Jordan Love, which yeah. is also kind of a crazy QB performance that we saw this week with Aaron Rodgers coming out of the game. Uh, we put this up yesterday, 
And stuff that came out today kind of made this a little bit more of an interesting headline since Aaron Rodgers said that he's going to be ready to play this week against the Bears. Yeah. Maybe he's capping because uh, we saw Joe Burrow say that uh, Jamar Chase is going to be ready last week. He wasn't ready last week. So maybe something goes on there. But I don't know. We're probably going to see A-Rod this week. But the thing is, was that garbage time performance for Jordan Love legit? Or is it just a one-off? You know, again, I'm going to have to say, no, it's not legit here. And I don't mean the performance on its own. I mean, the whole situation of will Jordan Love eventually be the guy? I'm going to have to say no on just because of Aaron Rodgers' contract. You know, I do like what I saw from Love. Uh, He looked pretty bad last year. Maybe he just needed some time. But I would try to keep him around, play him a little more in those situations uh, just to find out if if he's a guy you want to keep on the roster because, you know, he's a first-round pick. You can get a backup quarterback for a little cheaper than that who isn't going to play if you're not going to play this guy. And uh, I really am not sure what Green Bay's trying to do right now. Um, I thought I really liked their coaching staff, but right now they've done some questionable things. So I guess we got to wait and see before we make any decisions on this. My take on Jordan Love is you can't bank on him to be the guy unless you see more performance from him in the next coming weeks. If Aaron Rodgers, you say to him, hey, well, how about you just take a couple days off, uh, take a week off, you know, let's play it safe here. Let's play Jordan Love against the Bears, see how it goes there. Uh, But as of right now, if it looks like how it's going to look and and how it is with Aaron Rodgers coming back this week, I wouldn't bank – on Jordan Love becoming Aaron Rodgers 2.0. He made some high-level pro throws, but then again, the pressure of like like starting a game and being in there in real meaningful time wasn't completely there. Uh, I, I hope he turns out well, but I just don't I don't see that happening, especially in a package uniform. Yeah. Let's talk about the Rams. Uh, so not young quarterbacks. We're talking about old quarterbacks and uh, – I guess kind of saying on the same topic of shitty teams, is this the end for the Rams? You know, like we saw how good they were last year, but at this point in the season, we know that they're done here, but next season, the year after that, whatever, however long it goes, can they return to that form of being that Super Bowl contender or is it, is it done from here? They're going to be back next year. The combination of the Super Bowl hangover with their entire team being hurt can't be conquered by anyone in this league. They're going to have one more Super Bowl run, but they're going to fall apart. Uh, and I, I, I would say another two or three years, barring any you know crazy retirements or trades that aren't expected. If they keep this core, they're going to still be good for a couple more years. I want to say it, it is the end for the Rams because even when Stafford was playing this year, he didn't look good. Even when he was healthy, he didn't look like he was healthy, you know, and he wasn't making good throws. He had Cooper Cup, which was still making plays for him. He had some weapons on the outside as well. We saw it getting part of the season. He just couldn't get to the ball to Allen Robinson in general. But uh, I think the defense is going to break up. I think Ramsey's going to want out to go play somewhere else. I think Aaron Donald will consider retirement or, I don't know, playing with the Steelers or something like that back in Pittsburgh. But uh, I, I don't see – any good days coming for the Rams within these next two, three to four years. But we both agree it, when it comes, it is going to hit them really hard. Yeah. They, yeah it's they not going to be a, a slow future. descent. It's yeah. going to be a 
we're good or we are the worst team in football bad. Yeah. Keeping it in the division, talking about another team that is is pretty bad, uh, the Cardinals with their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, not in a spot to make the playoffs this year. We saw Kyler Murray say schematically, we are fucked. And uh, that kind of directly goes back to Cliff Kingsbury and how he's been directing these games these last few years, I'd say, in general, really since he started taking over there uh, once he left Texas uh, Tech, right? Texas yes. Tech? and Oklahoma. Yeah, Texas Tech. And Oklahoma. Uh, but does Cliff Kingsbury, does he get another season? Does he get fired at the end here? To, or can he even make it to 2023? No, I, I would move on. And I think what Kyler is trying to say, but he can't really do it right now, is there's something about Cliff Kingsbury's scheme that's blocking his development. They need a CEO-type defensive head coach will bring in offensive guys that can trust Murray, but they can't be the top of the guy. If you want to top of the guy, top of the, where am I going with this? They, okay. <laughs> to succeed in the NFC West, you, you can't have a, a, a fake Shanahan. You know, that's what, mm-hmm. Cl- what Cliff Kingsbury is. You got to have somebody who can combat the offensive, uh, AKA genius guy, you know? And, and I, I think they should, be looking for maybe uh, not Todd Bowles, but who's the uh, the Colts defensive coordinator? Is it uh, Dan Quinn or maybe someone like? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not sure right, right now. now. Jesus, let me look it up real quick. I'm sorry to our our four listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Colts, DC. Oh, it's Gus Bradley. Bradley. Gus Bradley. That's a guy they they should be interested in just for, uh, you know, for this regime to try to make sure they don't blow it up. Uh, But if he doesn't work, then you got to blow it up. Anyway, that's my Uh, point. Kingsbury's Uh, Kingsbury's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Kingsbury isn't making it to next season. When they hired Kingsbury, their their ideal coaching thing was a Shanahan, LaFleur, McVay, Mike McDaniel type hire where it's that young offensive mind that – has this next wave of the NFL and it hasn't been patched yet. You know, it's just looking for something that, that is kind of generational mm. and it, it's gone completely uh, away from that. This offense is so talented. I know they really haven't had all four of their main guys, uh, Kyler, James Connor, D hop and Hollywood all on, on the field in the same game, except for, I think last week was the first time that they, they had all those guys, but they've only scored 30 once. They're only averaging 22 points per game. And they, I think they have like five or six defensive touchdowns this year, too. So it's not like it's their offense that's getting 22 points per game. It's their defense carrying some of that weight as well. But Kingsbury's gone. And uh, I, I like the defensive mind head coach idea. That's pretty solid there. Uh, but Kingsbury is not, is not the guy. Yeah. Let's talk about a guy who is back i guess you could call it i don't know if he's really ever left the news but he's back on the field for the first time in a year and a half and that is the sean watson finally uh went through his 11 game suspension that the nfl gave him prior to the season and he's coming back for this week 13 matchup against the texans of course in houston yeah. so that should be pretty interesting to watch how do you think Deshaun Watson plays his first week back? Is he rusty? Is he good? How many touchdowns is he throwing for? Is he going to get assaulted on the field by some other players on the other teams or whatever? Yeah. Well, what's going to happen here? 
I don't think he'll play great. But what people don't realize is this is the ultimate tune-up game. It's at Houston where he's comfortable indoors. He could just hand it off every single play. And uh, it's exactly what he needs before he plays at Cincinnati and Baltimore. Uh, so I don't think, you know, looking back at some of the throws from preseason is something that is going to help you evaluate Deshaun Watson because he just needs to go out there and sling it a little bit when he has a huge lead against Houston on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't expect anything special from Deshaun Watson. I don't think we're going to see 350 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. Uh, I expect the first couple drives to be very Chubb hunt reliant, uh, but Stefanski's not going to want to do that the whole game. No. What he's going to want to do, he's going to want to do his bootlegs where he rolls out and goes finds the guy because that's what Baker Mayfield was good at. And if Deshaun Watson's any good of a quarterback, he's got to be able to do that. So I expect them to take a shot downfield somewhat early to Amari Cooper and try to test out that new duo that they can have there. Uh, and I'm going to predict an exact stat line for you oh, right here, Skyler. Okay, okay. 33 passes thrown. 21 completions. 249 yards. Two touchdowns. And zero picks. I'm going to go with uh, 16 out of 20 for 214 Ooh. and a touchdown. I think they're going to run it a wow. little more than you think because they're not going to have to throw it in the first half. On those those little drives that are chub heavy, I think he's going to take a couple to the crib. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I know we got a couple more days until we see how yeah. this ends up going. Uh, but that's going to do it for Where's Your Head At. Let's go ahead and get to our layups and our bold predictions, and let's get on out of here. Uh, ironically enough, our bold predictions hit and our layups did not. So that's kind of interesting there. Uh, but our layups this past week was, for me, the Dallas and Giants full game under at 45 and a half. That late game touchdown for the Giants with a few seconds left fucked me over because it would have hit without that. Uh, so rough L there. And then Skyler had Ohio State minus seven and a half versus Michigan. Michigan won by 22 points. They got completely outcoached. I uh, I stand by my pick, yeah. though. That was unpredictable. Wow. Uh, this week, I'm going Bills minus four against the Patriots on Thursday night. I think the Bills are going to have a bounce back game. Uh, I know they won last week and they won the week before, but they're not. They don't feel like the Bills right now. And I think that they're going to really look and feel like the Bills of last year uh, in this game on uh, Thursday. So a couple days from now. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with TCU minus two and a half against Kansas State. I really feel like I'm sold on this TCU team right now. No one in the Big 12 is going to beat them. And just for example, last week they played Iowa State. Iowa State has made TCU their bitch in the conference for like the past six straight years. And TCU beat them 62 to 14 this year. So I think that means they're back and ready to move on to the playoff. I'm sold on the Horn Frogs. Oh, yeah. Moving on to our bold predictions last week, two for two. Like I said, I had the Vegas money line plus 160 against the Seahawks. And Skyler had two lane over since he will just move on from there. Uh, this week, though, I have the Miami Dolphins at plus 165 versus the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know if CMC is going to play his questionable right now, 
Uh, but I expect him to not really get that full workload that we were talking about earlier, probably, you know, 15 to 20 touches total. Uh, and I think you're going to need a big game from CMC in order to win this one. And they're just not going to let him do that. So uh, Dolphins money line. Yeah, I agree with that Dolphins pick. I'm also going to take it. But uh, to be different, my pick here is going to be the Jets over the Vikings. And I know you shouldn't pick your team, but like I said earlier, Andrew Booth What's Jr. out. That, right? Exactly. It's not fun at all. Minnesota is down to, I believe, their fourth and fifth corners, plus Pat Pete, which is, uh, well, let's just hold off on the Pat Pete conversation. Um, this is Mike White's chance to prove himself. Indoors against a bad secondary. Why wouldn't he repeat what he did last week, right? So you are ready for this uh, possible Vikings slander. Yes. There we go. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, Any party message for you, Skyler? Let's finish strong, especially you guys. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. Get that 14th pick. (laughs) Uh, And let's be Netherlands, right? Yeah. Fuck the Dutch, man. (laughs) Okay. It's the same people, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah, I don't like their orange uniforms. That's fair. Uh, like Syracuse. So, uh, USA. 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 We'll be back USA. next week. USA. USA. USA.